After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey. 36, right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something, point something. He's not putting a stick in you. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Hey, Josh, I'm blaming you. It's your fault. You did it. No one, no one else can can feel responsible. It's you. It's all you. You did it. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yep. We went weeks, weeks without a player being suspended in the NHL. Nobody making a fuss. Everything was going along fine. And then social media, Josh, goes crazy on the Scouting the Refs Twitter and Instagram handles. Over 60 days without a suspension. Now, it hasn't officially happened yet, but I I think we're both expecting that there might be a suspension coming. This streak may come to an end thanks to the elbow of uh, a certain Tampa Bay Lightning defender there. But yes, we were 62 days in. A calendar year of 2023 had not seen a player safety suspension, and some may argue that's just because they weren't doing their job. But I thought players were on their best behavior, Todd. Well, or at least as as good as can be expected, I guess, <laughs> yeah. at this time of years. Maybe maybe that's the way to look at it. All right, so we'll wait and see if we do have to push the reset button or not. But this is the Scouting the Rest podcast. Undoubtedly, you're following Josh on the social channels for the trolling of uh, 62 Days Without a Suspension <laughs> at Scouting the Rest on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And coming up on this week's episode, Copley dishing it out. Kadri chirps the refs. And pays the price. Larkin pays up as well. Kane can't beat the buzzer. And Chernak clips Kyle Opozo. This is, uh, I think, where we start. This intense game between the, the Buffalo Sabres and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Buffalo wants to get into the playoffs. Tampa wants to get back to the playoffs. Third period, tie game, five apiece. And Buffalo forward Kyle Opozo is carrying the puck across the line until he runs into the bullet train known as Eric Chernak and gets wiped out with a big hit. But it looked to me like there was an awful lot of elbow in the chin of Kyle Opozo at that time. I would absolutely agree with you there. It looked like we were going to get a perfectly legal body check. It was a situation where Opozo was eligible to be hit on the play and Cernak's lining up the hit. And then the elbow pops out, and then Okpozo turns towards center. Now you've got an elbow connecting with a head, and it just looked like an ugly situation, one that is a hit that we don't want to see in the game, one where you've got guys getting injured on those types of plays. Thankfully, not in this situation. Okpozo didn't miss any time, but scary hit, and one that I, I think deserved certainly a penalty call and certainly some action by player safety. Well, there is a Department of Player Safety hearing for Eric Chernak, and we will see what the results of that are. But you bring up a couple of interesting points is that Opozo looks like he sees the hit coming and does try to move to the inside of the ice. How big an impact does that weigh on whether or not there will be further discipline? See, we usually look at that when it comes to illegal checks to the head, and it did the player 
change his body position immediately prior to the hit and put himself in a dangerous spot where it contributed to the head contact on the play. And that certainly happened here with Opozo making the turn. But what it comes down to is that this is potentially an elbowing suspension. And no matter what Opozo does on the play, this isn't body contact. This is the elbow popping out. If we were looking at a legal check to the head, I'd weigh his body position a little more heavily. But there's no denying the elbow coming out and that that was the cause of the contact on this play. I think Opozo might have been able to avoid the hit. He's trying to step around him and, and Chernak does what he can to try to make contact. It just happened to be with his elbow. So typically it's something we look at, but it's the elbow that's driving the potential disciplinary action here. So would we say in airplane terminology that the flap was fully deployed of <laughs> Chernak's elbow to catch Poso in the chin like that? The, the flap was out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, will he get suspended? Will he get fine? I, I think he gets at least a game for this. I think he deserves a game. It's an intentional act. And that's, to me, one of the driving factors. I mean, was it just a dangerous situation or was it intentional? And, and he's clearly putting his elbow out here, creating a spot where you're likely to give a guy a concussion, a head injury, some sort of injury on the play. And because it's dangerous, because it's intentional, I, I think one game is maybe two, but well, one game is what I'm expecting. As if there wasn't enough action in this game, there was another situation in the overtime period, still tied at 5-5. Seconds left, Steve Stamkos has the puck in the offensive zone with the bolts on the power play. And Ilya Labushkin, well, uh, sure seemed like he gave a little tug to the lightning captain and then steals the puck, skates up the ice, scores a shorthanded goal, overtime winner, and it's his first goal as a Sabre. That, that, that made things just a little bit messy here, I think. The puck retrieval, the breakaway, the shot, that was all quite impressive. The, <laughs> the hook in the defensive zone, oh, that was, a, that was a little rougher. He's making a good defensive play but he gets the stick up and Stamkos looks like he clamps down on it so is this one of those situations where Stamkos is trying to draw a penalty you know you tuck your elbow in you chicken wing it you fall to the ice you're hoping to get a whistle to draw another penalty there sometimes that happens sometimes they get away with it in this case no call so now you've got Stamkos down on the ice and you've got one of the Sabres going the other way I was surprised there wasn't a whistle there I think if anything, I, I would have loved to have seen them call both because it, it looked like the stick was in the right position for a hook. You've got it up. You've got it waist high. You're tugging on the opposing player. And I think Stamkos contributed to that a little bit. But unfortunately, instead of drawing the penalty, he put his team way down and set up a breakaway. Yes, I, I agree that you probably could have called both players on this. And I know that frustrates some people. If you're going to call both, then don't call anything. Well, if you do, sometimes this is what happens is the guy skates up the ice and scores the overtime winning goal. So you should probably call a penalty if it's warranted there. But I, I think this was something that they need to look because, I mean, that that really was the chicken flap with them. Yeah, it, it was. And I don't know that the league is necessarily looking for these situations when they're going back to cite players for diving or embellishment. But this is absolutely one of those situations to me where you're looking at a guy who's doing something to embellish the call. And you're right, Todd, fans get frustrated. They say it should be one or the other. Either you call the penalty or you call the diving embellishment. And that's where I think we need to just remind fans that there are two different things. There's a dive, right, where there's no penalty on the play. The, the stick never hits him. He's never tripped and he just goes down. So that that we're looking at as, as diving. 
And then there's embellishment where there is a penalty, but the player's really going above and beyond to sell it. And it, whether that's putting the arm down and kicking your own skates out so you, you make the fall bigger and more dramatic than it is to try to draw attention, that's the embellishment portion. So it can be a dive. It can be embellishment. And there are certainly situations where you deserve a penalty for the hook, but the other guy deserves a penalty for really overselling it. And those situations are, are certainly more common than just the standalone dive. But I think they do need to both be punished. And I'd be curious to know, Stamkos will get a warning before he gets fined for diving. So we'll have to wait and see if he does ever get fined for it. Then the NHL open the, the door a little bit and, and tell us if he had a previous instance, which may trace back to this game. Hmm. I'm kind of curious as to what the referee signal for the chicken wing might be, too, if they ever start <laughs> calling that. I think that could be fun. I like it. Yeah, we've got to now come up with the dive symbol, and the, the chicken wing symbol. <laughs> yeah, it's like charades I think out there. That could be fun. Uh, Nazem Kadri got tossed out of a game against the New York Rangers. He and his Calgary Flames were playing just prior to the overtime period. Apparently, Nazem Kadri uh, was expressing his shall we say, displeasure with the style of officiating that was taking place. And referee Francis Chiron decided, you know what? I've had enough of your opinion and I've had enough of you and that's it. You're done. I don't recall ever seeing anything like this before. We've seen guys get tossed before, but rarely does it happen when they're already on the bench. And I think uh, Kadri was frustrated. He was called for a penalty that led to the Rangers game tying goal. So I think he was he was mad about that call to begin with. Apparently, he'd been chirping the officials since then. Flames head coach Daryl Sutter mentioned that Kadri was warned about his comments that he was making to the officials. He kept at it as he was going off for the change. He exchanged some words with Sharon uh, when he went to the bench. He continued and and that was enough. So interesting that he tossed him from the game, tossed him prior to the overtime. So Kadri's night was done. But this situation was a 10 minute misconduct. So it, it ended Kadri's night. But it didn't put the flame shorthanded. So from that standpoint, this was more of a personal punishment than it was impacting the team. But you look at how much that impacts things. If he gets a two minute for unsportsmanlike conduct, he puts the flame shorthanded going into overtime. And, and that's certainly a much different spot for the game than just losing Nazem Kadri. So interesting situation there, but it worked out well for the Flames who ended up winning the game despite Kadri heading off early. Yes, it does allow the referee some discretion there and how they apply the penalties, whether it is going to be a, a bench minor or or whether it's it's personal, as you mentioned, with the 10 minute misconduct. I like the way this was handled. You want to see the players be held accountable for how they're acting. But when you have outbursts like this, when you're warning the guy, I think you want to do his teammates a favor. You want to do his coach a favor and say, look, we know this isn't really a team issue. This is the player issue. And that's why you get a 10 minute misconduct to go cool off a little bit, or in this case, end his night where the team doesn't really, I don't want to say they don't deserve the punishment, but it's when it's really a, a personal one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. I, I think it's, it's a little more equitable when you look at the team, the big picture, the game to hit Kadri with 10 and, and not necessarily put the flame shorthanded. Uh, another game situation that involved a high stick, so no suspension in this case, but player safety was busy doling out the fine. And this one goes to Detroit Red Wings captain Dylan Larkin in a game versus the Washington Capitals. He got the high stick up on TJ Oshie, and it really appeared watching the replays over and over again that this was an, an accidental high stick right to the chops of TJ Oshie, but it wasn't an accidental high stick. He did not mean to cross-check him up as high as he did. Uh, the play was whistled, it was reviewed, and they decided that, yes, a major penalty was warranted here uh, during the commercial. They took their time and looked at it, and when they came back, they said, yep, that's it, you're done, and Dylan Larkin does the skate of shame uh, across the ice and is gone. And 
I, I, it was the right call. Was it accidental? Yes. But was it a nasty high stick? Also, yes. Yeah, and that's that's what it comes down to, especially when we're looking at cross checks to the face. Of course, you want to consider how the stick gets there. But the fact that he ends up cross checking Oshi in the face is what gets him tossed from the game. I think you look at player safety coming in afterwards and, and understanding that, look, this isn't a malicious intent. This isn't something where he's going to try to injure Oshi on the play. I do think it deflected off Oshi's arm and, and rides up more than Larkin intended to. But we always say players are accountable for their sticks, and typically it's a high-sticking call. This was a cross-check, and he might not have intended to hit Oshi in the face, but he did. And I think the fine was right. I don't think this deserved a suspension. No, I don't think it deserved a suspension. But I, I was a little surprised by the fine, again, because Larkin, even before... Oshi had had fallen to the ice. He was reaching out, almost trying to catch him as like, look, I'm sorry, this was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. And and he still got the maximum allowable fine under the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we can't judge intent. And I, I think this is probably one of the few cases where it, it was pretty apparent that Larkin had no intent on the play. This wasn't what he was setting out to do. He was bracing for the hit from Oshi. The way they came together there, it just happened that his stick went up. So I see the officials reviewing it. I understand the ejection from the game. Although, again, we're we're looking at the situation where you've got a cross check and it's all up to the referee's discretion on the severity of the contact. Was this a situation where it was incidental contact? It was an accident. The stick rode up or, or was it something more than that? So I think it, it looks like the officials that night and player safety were on the same page here of something where we want to hold the guy accountable. And certainly we don't want to let this go. But yeah, look, looked far more inadvertent to me, not something that Larkin was necessarily trying to do on the play. I also want to talk a little bit about Patrick Kane because everybody has been talking about Patrick Kane for the last couple of weeks, mostly in terms of trade talk. But this this doesn't involve him playing in a new city, but playing with the the Hawks, he came oh so close to scoring the game-winning goal in overtime against the Vegas Golden Knights. But alas, close but no cigar, the clock had expired and I was really kind of surprised at the review process that that went on here. It took an awfully long time to determine whether or not game time had expired before the puck had crossed the goal line. It was a little surprising to me how long it took. And I think part of it had to do with looking at the camera angle that shows what the actual time on the clock is and where the puck is, because the puck is a blur at that point. I mean, Kane fired that shot, so it's hard to even see it until it contacts the goalpost. The best angle to me was one from behind the net where you can see that the green light came on before the puck was in. And, and that green light is controlled electronically as soon as the clock hits all zeros. So once that comes on, the red light can't go on. It's impossible for the red light to be activated when the green light's on. That green light tells us time has expired and it came in before the red light was activated. So that was the best shot to see that the puck hadn't gone in before that light was on. But I think that's what they needed to see. It was so hard with the timers and the game clocks. And Lord knows we've seen issues with game clocks before where there's a second delay or, or something where it doesn't quite line up right. So I, I know the league wanted to do their due diligence there and make sure that all the clocks, every timing mechanism that they had was supporting this call. And I, I have to say, based on the evidence, we can see it, it looks like they did get it right. Absolutely. And it almost made me think during the replays as I was watching, if Kane hadn't done quite the rafter tickler with the slap shot, that maybe <laughs> that puck would have crossed the line in time. At least you're you're thinking of it in that scenario. I, I think of it throughout the entire period of, well, just one 
one quicker whistle after a you know a face off or a puck out of play you know did we lose a tenth of a second two tenths of a second here and nobody's looking at that random icing call that happened three minutes in but all those minutes affect the final seconds and boy you never know how valuable that tenth of a second is until you need it on the game winner Okay, since you opened up that Pandora's box, I'm going to ask about it now because (laughs) there has been technology that has been worked on and developed that ties the game clock into the official's whistle, that when they blow the whistle, it will stop the game clock. This really hasn't been adopted yet, but I do think that this is something that could and should be looked at. There's been talk of even looking at not only the whistle tied to the game clock, but even electronic signaling so that you don't have as much of that intent to blow delay. When the referee wants to signal it, they can hit it immediately instead of pulling the whistle out, getting it up to their lips, blowing on the whistle. So there's lots of opportunities to make it a little more efficient to signal that stoppage, and and that would save time. It would put more time back on the clock. I think we're very manual when it comes to when the clock is stopping and even whether it's a quick whistle when a goalie covers the puck or whether they give a little bit more time. There's a lot of variability there, but it's those fractions of a second that they don't really seem to be a big deal until you get what we had for Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks the other night. Can I give you another possible scenario? Yeah. And this one is going Go to involve the chip in the puck oh, and yeah. the the puck tracking. Could you set it up so that the puck crossing the blue line triggers whether or not an offside is called? That is a great question. When we've looked at puck tracking and player tracking and trying to automate, I think we're a little farther away on that because there are a lot of observations and decisions that have to be made around that. You could know exactly when the puck crosses the line, which would help you determine exactly when you need to determine if it is or isn't offside. But you also need to know the position of every player's skates relative to the blue line and that could be on the blue line or above them now under the current rule for offside that allows the player skate to be in the air so player tracking is not that precise to know where the skates are but i think some combination of imaging and cameras could capture that and then you tie it to the set time clock from when the puck crosses the line and i think it it is possible that a computer could determine offside definitively based on the position of player skates and using that puck tracking to know the moment the puck crosses the line so i don't think we're there yet todd but that's something even icing pucks out of play on whether they were deflected right. uh, was it deflected on its way out did it clear the glass those are things that i think can at some point all be automated and i'm i'm sorry <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. But those are things that I think technologically we can get them right every time. Well, and and you're not promoting more reviews. You're just trying to make the calls less questionable. How great would it be to know definitively that every onside play was onside because this system's evaluating it in real time and it's it's checking that, you know, you're not going to have to wait till the goal's even scored. If it's offside, even if it takes a second to process it, you're getting that whistle almost instantaneous. So you get rid of every offside review and anytime the teams are offside, the whistle blows right away. So you won't even get to the spot where a goal is scored on an offside play. Sorry to all the linesmen out there. I know it's not a great thing, but there are plenty of things that we need linesmen and referees to do and we can always figure it out. But I think the idea of getting it right is just too enticing to not look into that further. Yes, Josh, but you know hockey fans as well as I do. (laughs) Even if you come up with the absolute perfect system that guarantees every offside call, every icing call, every puck over glass call is 100% right, they will find something to be unhappy about. The offside AI is against my team. (laughs) You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple. 
get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Okay. That's, uh, nicely done. That's good work.